Have you ever met someone to whom you feel connected right from the start for reasons that are not at all clear, but for reasons that you implicitly trust? Whether she is with you for an hour or a lifetime, you know he is a guide and you should be paying attention. This happened to me seven or eight years ago when I took part in a workshop at a spiritual retreat center. Several times over the course of that long weekend, by happenstance or design, I sat next to a beautiful, willowy young woman of 21. She had a gentle, centered way about her and an inner assurance that made her totally comfortable speaking with a 60-odd-year-old woman. On Sunday before I departed, we found ourselves sitting next to each other once again, and by then I was ready to dive a little deeper. Uh, where did she come from, I asked. What brought her to the center? She was from California and had been traveling the United States, staying here and there for the better part of two years, always with the goal of being with good people, she said good community. Yes, she was traveling solo, although she often caught a ride with somebody she'd met along the way. No, she had never been in physical danger, never assaulted, never fearful. She manifested what she wanted to achieve, she said, and had not been let down. But how, I said in a tone that was part mother, part acolyte, how can you know you'll be okay? She looked at me quizzically almost and said, why Deborah, I trust the universe will provide. Jeez. <laughs> Even after spending an entire weekend allegedly connecting with my spirituality, the cynic in me was saying, oh sure, the universe will provide. But I could not deny that this quiet young woman had touched, some, touched me in some profound way. As I went back to my way too demanding, decidedly unspiritual job, her words would come back to me, unbidden, when I least expected it. What would it look to sit at the edge of uncertainty and be certain to trust that everything would be okay? It was unfamiliar, daunting territory for me, who has always been more or less comfortable with the surety of the known, of my close-knit family and my church community here, of the love of my child, the contours of my beloved hometown, of a job that was challenging but no longer challenged me. Not that it was a barn burner of a life, but it was fine and it was mine. Yet for years, I had nurtured Walter Mitty-like, a dream, a fantasy, I thought, of busting out, of living a bigger life. My dream centered on my ancestral homeland of Ireland. What would it be like to live there, to have in my life those friendly and engaging people, to walk among its craggy hills strewn with ancient cairns, to listen unbound by time constraints to its music 
in turn, lively and haunting, that had always soothed my soul. As I started to think about retiring, which in itself is a leap of faith, <laughs> I dared to consider fashioning such a life. It's been a journey of several years, but I can now say that I intend to move to the old sod in the next several months, maybe for a year, maybe forever. And I will tell you that as this path has slowly opened up before me, I have found, more than once found the thought of a benevolent universe comforting indeed. For me, this journey began when I changed my thinking from I can't possibly to maybe. Maybe it could work. It doesn't mean I have to make a commitment yet, but let me explore the maybe. At some point in our lives, most of us have yearned to step onto new ground. Sometimes big life changes yawn before us. We want to quit an enervating job or find the courage to be a voice for our child or perhaps to find the strength to stop a destructive behavior or end a relationship. But even small life changes can be daunting. Maybe we want to drop a pound or two or add a purple streak to our hair or invite someone we want to know better out for a cup of coffee. But the question is, what's on the other side? What if you get a new job and you don't like it? What if people think your purple streak is immature and crazy? What will single look like or substance-free look like? It is much simpler and much more comfortable to say, no thanks, I'll just stay where I am in this life whose contours I know. This is human nature. It's hard to head down a path of change, but I am here to tell you it is so worth the effort of exploring the maybe, hopefully on your path to I can. Sometimes just one stray bit of knowledge helps you start rethinking. You read something in the book or on the internet that gives you some insight into yourself or someone makes a stray comment that resonates with you and you pull on that string to find that it bolsters you and sets you on your way. For me, there were two threads. With my globe-trotting humanitarian daughter, I have in recent years visited places that were only words on the map to me. Her easy way with travel was and remains an inspiration to me. I'm so blessed she is a citizen of the world. The other thread was knowing that I could become a citizen of Ireland. My grandfather, or Shanahur, as the Irish say, was Thomas John McDermott. He was born in Escra, County Tyrone, in the 1860s and came to America at age 11. I never knew him, more's the pity. My father, in an essay about his parents, described him in purely Irish terms. Someone who had a twinkle in his eye, a ready wit, and a capacity for entertaining. He could do an Irish jig, recite the face on the barroom floor with pathos and gestures, 
He knew how to lend a helping hand without embarrassing the recipient, and he had a funeral procession longer than most politicians when he was finally laid to rest. He died in a freak accident when my dad was just 14, but his legacy lives in me still. Someone had told me years ago that grandchildren of those born in Ireland were eligible to become citizens. That stray comment, that thread, stuck in my mind as I considered the maybe. A little digging, some paperwork, and patience, and not long ago, I held in my hand that precious citizenship certificate. That might have been enough, but somehow it wasn't. I wanted to go further. I wanted to connect with my ancestors on their terms, on their soil. But boy, oh boy, how daunting is that to think about leaving your old life and moving to an entirely different country and starting anew. This period of the journey between resolving to act and action has been a really interesting time. This is the period of betwixt and between, of neither here nor there. This is a path that the sages and teachers and saints have trod before us. It has even been given a name by anthropologists, the liminal. Liminality is derived from the Latin word limen, or threshold. In the hero's journey, mythologist Dave, uh, Joseph Campbell imagined, imagined that this liminal time is the questing time. He has left his homeland, and he is tested through a series of challenges, eventually making it over the threshold and into a bold new world. I don't know about you, but I don't fashion myself a Gawain or a Ulysses. Celtic mythologist Sharon Blackie says this model holds little allure for women, and many men as well. Rather, we need to look inward to, as she says, discover our own authentic values and way of being in the world, to wake up to our own creative power and conceive our own individual vision of what we might offer on the other side. My words, not hers. The liminal often goes against the grain. Remember that nice, comfortable life that allows us to stay put? It is tested in this liminal space. Even after we have resolved to make change, it, look, it is so easy to turn back to what we know, perhaps abandoning the quest altogether. I know for me, the fear I needed to overcome revolved around money. I have never really made a decent salary, and this has resulted in a complicated, lifelong relationship with money and its insecure lack. When my mother died, I was fortunate enough to receive a modest inheritance from her. A significant part of my work in this liminal space has been to make peace with the notion that I am willing to spend a portion of that inheritance on this future I've fashioned without dwelling on whether it will ever be replenished. That was and remains a huge leap of faith for me, 
and I called on a lot of strength from a lot of guides, the universe not least among them, in ultimately deciding that I was okay with that. Here's what I learned. I do not expect the universe to provide my financial security. I don't think any of us would expect the universe to just wholesale give us what we want, right? But I am learning to let go of the notion that financial security even exists. It doesn't for so many people in this world. And mine is a decidedly first world problem. And yet, it has held me down and bound me. And I shall be released. For that insight, I thank the universe most profoundly. So in this year, when resolutions abound, when, we not, when not only a new year, but a new decade stretches before us, join me in the liminal. Take the leap of faith in yourself with guidance from God, goddesses, or guides who may help you. As Kathy said earlier, Martin Luther King reminds us that faith is taking the first step even when you don't see the whole staircase. And the Buddhist Philip Moffat says that you will be reborn. Never forget, he writes, that the person you are who embarks on any life change will not be the person to reap its benefits when the process is complete. Soon, you could be telecommuting, have a purple streak in your hair, a new relationship with, a fr with yourself, a life in Ireland. And really, how cool is that? May it be so, and blessed be.